Hello and welcome to Season 9, Episode 8 of the Euphoria Podcast. As always, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Today, it's just myself, Dracos, and Kadrel. Uh, we didn't bring a player today. We know you guys like players, and we like bringing players. But as it mm-hmm. is Week 8, and we need to talk about kind of every team, to be completely honest, to just close out the regular season, um, we'd be remiss to like invite... I, I also know. missed you. I, I also missed, missed our alone time together. Bro, it's been a while. Because, so, you know, when I'm sitting over there, even though we're close we, to each other, I feel like we're further we're apart. We're so far. It's something about it's the plastic screen. The plastic screen. And also because, you know, I'm always looking at the guests, talking to the guests. And in the corner of my eye, I see you. And I keep giving yeah. you little eye looks. But, you know, yeah. I can't look at you properly, mm. you know. So. Yeah. It's much more intimate. I agree. Yeah, it is. That now it. I've is, <sighs> I missed, I missed our alone time. I miss not being bullied into MVP selections by guests. Yeah, yeah it's true. Actually, now we can't be swung by bias. Now we can't be swung by, yeah. by guests. Which, you know, to be fair, they do make compelling arguments as guests of ours. Good. Have you seen the stats? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my numbers. <laughs> Backing them up. Um, anyway, so we were off broadcast last weekend. We, of course, caught up on the games. We're all caught up heading into next week. But um, I feel like it's, we have a little bit of room for off topic. There's two things I want to talk about. One is like, you're the LCK LPL connoisseur. So I'd love mm-hmm. if you could give us the like quick TLDR update on like what games should people be watching if they missed anything, mm-hmm. if they're not watching your co-streams, twitch.tv slash Kdrill or um, LCK or LPL. There was a lot of banger games. I think the funniest game to me was EDG versus, I believe it was a top esports, I think, mm-hmm. where uh, EDG was winning the game. It was a banger game. I think that series was incredible um and viper got this like insane ultimate across one of helios like one shot three people and then all of a sudden they were going to win the game because they got soul or something and then all of a sudden uh, the enemy team all died ran from base to nash rushed rushed down nash got nash aced them and won the game even though they were behind lost soul like the game looked completely doomed for EDG, yeah, yeah, yeah even though they just won a f- uh, game looked completely doomed for toby swords even though they just uh edg won the fight and then they just rushed nash and won the game so like this is something i've noticed a lot in the, the eastern regions is T1 do this a lot sometimes as well, uh, and Damwon. When they're behind, they are very, very aware that if we don't do something now, the game's lost. It's just lost. Um, they get soul, you lose a fight, the Aphilos ahead, he's getting his sums up soon. So many small things that can come into your mind where it's like, well, if we don't rush Nash out of base here, even though we're even in tempo with the enemy team, they're going to set up and we're never going to be able to face check. This is our one time where it's actually even tempo, and we maybe get a good fight. Um, and they just all ran to Nash, forced it, won this fight, and then the game was just ending from there onwards, despite the enemy team having Mountain Souls. So I really credit Eastern teams for being able to find the smallest of windows in the mid to late game to just say, screw it, just do this now. If we all die, the game's over anyway. Yeah. If we all if we all kill them, we're going to win the game on the spot. So uh, yeah, that's what I noticed in the LBL. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, that's dope. And if you guys want to watch that series and look back on it, it is technically week six. It was this past Saturday, TES versus EDG. Um, you've heard the highlights here, but you can go watch the whole thing yourself. Uh, a couple other banger games. V5 versus LNG was mm. a really good, really good series. Even though it was a bit one-sided, um, I think V5 is the best team in the LPL right now. I think the best mid laner in the world right now is Rookie. I think hands down it's Rookie. Um, it's impressive that he's like, he's, because, you know, I mean, he's the guy that's been around for so long. And obviously, I think if they are strong enough to be able to make it to MSI, we'll get a chance to talk more about Rookie. But if you are watching League of Legends and you don't know who Rookie is at this point, I feel like... You're I'm, really missing out. I'm scared if V5 make MSI because honestly, Rookie is just, he is in his best form since 2018. Like, yeah. I remember speaking to loads of uh, European mid laners when 
I can't remember when, where they were boot camping, but it was during Worlds events or internationals. And they were saying like the hardest mid they've ever lain against is Rookie. Rookie by far. And I feel like he's overshadowed by the bigger names of like Chovy and Faker and Showmaker mm-hmm. from the LCK. Scout winning a Worlds MVP. Knight always being like this hyper left-handed god. Rookie's, rookie's in form. And the irony of, the, of all of this is the best top player in the LPL right now, hands down, is the Shy. He's playing on Weibo. Weibo's, I think, second or third place. Isn't this he guy- just getting perma grief though? No, he's-, he's not. He's he's literally picking great. He's he's the one top laner in the LPL where he's giga chat enough to say, you know what? I think we should last pick a tank here, and he'll pick a Scion, go down ten CS, but still like end the game on side lane or five man ult into team fights. Bro, then he picks things it. like Graves. He gets his whole breaker, and he's like hitting the enemy in hip when his whole team's topside, getting five man collapsed on, escaping. His team gets Nash. He spams emotes. The best thing about the shy is the end of the game. The game ends, a lot of pros click continue after next explodes and they check the stats, you know, how did we do with damage dealt, mm-hmm, tower mm-hmm, damage. Mm-hmm. I'll Im- imitate the shy right now. Next and explodes. He's gone. He's gone. The second the next explodes on the screen, the camera pans the team. They're all like cheering, looking at the things. Top lane's missing. He Shy's just left out. The stage. It's a job for him. It's, that's it. He job shows done. up. He works the nine to yeah. five. He clocks in. He, he clocks care. out. He goes 15-0. He goes 0-15. <laughs> He's gone. He doesn't give a crap about the stats or the post game. I love him bro i love that yeah uh, in general um as we get closer to international competition more obviously i'm going to be ramping up how much i check out other regions because i need to know how good they're going to be doing and we spoiler alert um we asked twitter questions on earlier yesterday because we're coming back into it we want to know what you guys think now admittedly i phrased the question a little bit poorly so we got a lot more opinions on like lec broadcasts a lot of which were very complimentary so thank you but we'll get a chance when we answer those questions later to talk a little bit about international because there's a lot of people who are like a little doom and gloom, mm-hmm. but we'll save. We'll save the, it for now. The, the last thing I'll say about international competition is T1. They're still undefeated. I think they're 12-0 mm-hmm. and zero now, 13-0. Mm-hmm. This week, they played Gen G on Thursday, and this is full Gen G. The last time T1 played Gen G, it was three oh, subs, yeah, COVID yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. So this is the banger of the LCKs on Thursday. If T1 win this series, it's very likely, looking at their remaining opponents, that they will be undefeated throughout the entire split, which I don't think anyone's done, apart from SKT in 2015, they did it. Griffin went 12-0 and as well, so they've tied that record. So yeah, T1, TLDR are on the cusp of record-breaking regular season. Um, since is that the first series or the second series? That is the first series. Uh, so it's 9 a.m. Thursday, so right? 9 a.m. Thursday, 9 a.m. Um, be sure to check that out. Shout out to the LCK, the English broadcast, and of course, the wonderful co-streamer, Cadrill here. Um, bangers, bangers, bangers. I know, it's, it's off-topic, but now I also... You're, you did just also... Because we have so much off-topic, because we've been gone for a week, so we have a lot of off-topic stuff to talk about, even before we get into week seven. But the other thing, it's like you're now officially an excel content creator excel content creator yeah um i mean i think a lot of people resonate with me being part of excel even though i'm not part of excel because it's where i spent all my pro career and it's where it's all the memes anything, come from anytime they do anything good or bad people tag you yeah no matter what it. so it was kind of like a it was kind of like a no-brainer um i mean i guess the only downside is people might think oh cage was gonna be biased towards excel and uh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Like, I don't care if it's my mom, my brother, <laughs> Bro, my best you've friend. Been, like, you've been my harsher. My cat's playing. I'll be harsh or if it's bad and I'll be very complimentary if it's good. I don't really care who it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I say that I, I mean, I never saw that. If anything, you were more critical of Excel than, uh, you know, other people. So. Yeah. So, yeah, TLDR, I'll be part of Excel just for the streams and stuff. I'll so, still be. A lot of people are like, does this mean he's not casting the LEC? No. Nope. nothing changes casting still casting still Gucci. streaming still doing all that stuff anytime you do a partnership like this he has to he would have to double check it with the LEC. it's all good it's all yeah. approved it's all it's all good all the the yellow tape has been figured out it's been sorted red tape red tape i think yellow tape is a crime scene red tape is the logistics one i don't know no one had to die 
chat. And loss, of course. Oh, you just say chat? Chat. <laughs> It was the real streamer in this oh room. Oh my god! No I don't one has to die. Chat, bro. I watched your stream too much. I had it on in the background. The last off-topic thing we're going to talk about, and this is completely yeah, and totally yeah. off-topic. Don't blame us. And if we are going to not spoil anything, but we are going to talk about Elden Ring. Oh, it's so good. And last time we went off-topic, I got a couple angry, angry folks like, "How dare is a League of Legends podcast? Like, guys, it's a it's a League of Legends podcast, but it's also Cajun and Draco's podcast." And Cajun and Draco's spent a lot of hours this weekend playing Elden Ring, so we we're going to talk about Elden Ring. We had a we had a nice coincidental week off with Elden Ring coming out, so we just took the I, opportunity grind that stuff grind, out. I, I got. 50 hours into Elden Ring My over man. this weekend. This is the most degen gaming t- experience I've had in a very long time. Yeah, the thing is, I'm just a smork, like a psycho. I will just go head first into something, and mm-hmm. I'll keep hitting the wall with my head until the wall breaks or my head breaks. That's my gameplay I, yeah, in I Elden saw. Ring. I saw. So yeah. I have like 250 deaths already, and Bro, I've just I, finished I so the second many. boss. It's fun. So, uh, well, the second big boss. That game is, um, I recommend a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're a Dark Souls fan, you probably already picked it up. If you're not, uh, it's an intimidatingly difficult game. And I will say, unlike, I also got Horizon this week, because again, this is a free week. I thought I'd try it, and I was waiting for Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, Horizon, like a lot of these games, like Assassin's Creed Horizon, a lot of these like big AAA, uh, you know, RPG-esque games are going to like hold your hand through everything. Elden Ring is not going to do that. I think if you're a Souls diehard, you'll love it. We can debate about whether or not it's easier or harder. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do to make it easier on yourself, but it is definitely a game that I encourage you, if you are in, if you are the kind of person that enjoys it, to go in blind and just play it as it is and do your best to just figure stuff out. Figure it out. If you hate it and you're miserable, try for a little bit longer, but then like feel free to look up guides and stuff. I'm not, I'm not here to knock the- it, but I do think that one of the great things about Souls games is that they don't give you all of the information that you need. They don't do it in lore. They leave a lot of questions unanswered. They don't do it in like mechanics or how you beat things or what opponents are strong and weak against. They don't give mm. you hints like that. So yeah, I, I think that it's sick if you've never tried soul games i yeah. highly highly recommend it i think it's like the it is like breath of the wild meets dark souls i think is the easiest way to describe it but there's a lot less whimsy it's a lot more of a dark fantasy setting and i love that generally there aren't really any like fetch quests like if you go somewhere to do a thing the thing is there yeah it's not going to make you run across or like explore like the game doesn't tell you to explore but you are rewarded for exploring and mm. I'm just having a fantastic time with it. I think the best thing about the game is like it rewards people who kind of take their time because there's so many like small hidden things and you know those those feelings you get when you find the things like oh I found this like awesome yeah, boss yeah, or this yeah. item in a chest in a cave that no one would think to see and you're like I bet no one else has kind of found this and you take your time you're looking through everything. The funniest thing to me about this game is you can write messages on the ground for other players. Yeah, and yeah. it always says hidden path ahead. And every single time I hit, I do it, I hit the wall and there's nothing. So I think I've been baited like 50 times now looking for these hidden paths. Bro. I'm not going to give up. The second I find that hidden path, I'm going to be the rewarded. You I'm are, sure. You're going to do it every time. Because I mean, once, you time. have to flip it. Yep. Um, yeah. So anyway, like it's great. I love out. playing it. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, if you've got a computer that can run it, if you are one of the lucky few that have a PS5, uh, as they just <clears> continue to be impossible to get um or xbox i think it's also an xbox one xbox what is the latest xbox called I dude don't even know. we're pc gamers here i'm we're a ps5 masters because i need to buy a new pc um okay, i'll allow it so doesn't it don't isn't the reason ps5s is all sold out because they have like these graphics cards that people are there's using? a there's a like international parts shortage right now and i don't know any of the details so i won't talk about it i just know that there's a general electronics part shortage that's making production of anything 
mm. on a high end Yeah, I remember level. last year I was trying to get a Switch and it took like a year to get a Switch because they were all sold out. Sad times. Dude, it's crazy. But now Dude, Karina's got her Animal Crossing. She's being chilling. Dude, that's all that you need sometimes. Animal Crossing, can't stand it. But another game that people do certainly like. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you like Elden Ring or you're looking for a game to play, recommend it. But also, as I will always say, for any single player game ever, uh, if you are not worried about, if you can avoid spoilers, just wait till it's on sale. If money's ever an issue. Because people always get hyped. Like, I'm super hyped. I bought two, loot- like, games are friggin' pricey these days. I bought two brand new games. I spent way too much money on games this weekend between... Mm-hmm horizon and, and this you know my excuse is well i don't go out for drinks because of covid so i can spend the money you're on also games a instead. streamer so it's like that's like for your job you know that's a tax write-off like i can't i wish i could tax write off you know these games it's it's not really there's not really a time you can write legends. off tax on games if we all just agree not to tell the german government that that i don't work on elden ring then maybe they'll let me write it off no um you can wait till stuff's on sale. It sucks. Like, the FOMO is definitely there. But, like, don't be afraid to wait till stuff's on sale. Single-player games are always just Only as we good. should make a game-talking podcast. Just Bro, I like do want... Hours. I actually... I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. Uh, I don't sick. have the time. And by thinking about it, I mean, I thought about it this morning for 10 minutes when I realized how much I want to talk about Elden Ring. Yep. But this yep. is not the Elden Ring podcast. No, this is this the, is the Euphoria Legends. podcast. Um, and maybe after we both beat it, maybe we can go on your stream and talk about Elden yeah. Ring or something. But in the meantime... Quick note before we talk about the world of League of Legends. Zillion. Quick reminder, champion, broken. Still super high win rate. People like Bjergsen, picking it. Perks, picking it. Winning games. Cadrell, Guys, if you're out there and you need a win, pick Zillion. But also go into practice tool because that has to be the most dog shit last hit animation I have ever seen. Wow, I did not expect to be that unleashed. Screw it, we're <laughs> keeping it. Holy fuck, that was, uh, that was some hard work. There, there it buddy. is. Yeah, that yeah, last the, hitting animation is bad. That it, base AD is low. Yeah, you are going to miss some last it's tough. hits. I've seen so many pe- teams, like, you have last pick support. You have a Jinx, you have a Hecarim. Enemy team has, like, uh, I don't know, some kind of champ like Lee Sin or something, or like LeBlanc, or I don't know, some kind of champ that just wants to one-shot. And then they last pick, and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the Zillion hover. And the time Ken just locked in, and I'm like, <gasps> the free win's gone! And then yeah. they lose the game, and I'm happy about it because they didn't pick Zillion. So, Hecarim in that Tom Kench Zillion. looks Jinx, pretty Zillion. crap in every game I see him. In the east, in the eastern regions, Tom Kench is absolutely monster broken. I don't know why, I, but it feels like it wins lane. It does. The team fights are pixel perfect from this champ. Yeah, and you always get bot push. It felt like in melee matchups, and uh, if you have like a really good hyper carry AD that's like even or ahead, then it just makes their life so much easier when they have dive champs. But um, yeah, it, it looks quite. It looks under. Regions. I'm saying I'm underwhelmed here. There have been some good moments. I like when people get weird with it. I like when Mickey X picks Halo Blades, Tom Kench, even if it's only good in melee matchups. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll just say that, yeah, it just I, it feels like every time we've seen it here, it's been pretty underwhelming. I think Trimby had a good game, but it's like so right now on the LEC, it's five and four. Um, yeah, it's Targamas, Trimby, Lebrov winning out. Mickey O2 on Tram Kench, probably because of the Halo Blades tech. I mean, the Halo Blaze tech, I don't think it's the biggest <laughs> sin there. If I remember, there were a lot of others. There's a lot of missed Ws. There's a lot of other stuff going on there. Yeah. But, you know, like, we'll, we'll see. I just also, I it's weird to say, but I liked, and I hate saying this, I liked pre-WeWork Tom Kench more. I know he was infinitely more toxic, but I feel like what he actually gave your team was so much clearer and quantifiable. It's so broken as well. Like, now you think it, about it, the Eat is now a long cooldown before it was short. And also you had a global ultimate where you could go across the map with your yeah. AD. Well... So uh, and I liked I liked the roamingness of that. Yeah, now it's much. Yeah. Yeah, it's better. It's be- much better design, much healthier, much mm-hmm. less miserable to play against. Oh, Renata has enabled this week, isn't she? Bro, I oh believe so. Oh my god! Yeah. Just before we move off champions, but Renata has enabled. Now the champ had a super high win rate in solo queue. Then it got a hot fix. Now it has like a 51, 52 percent win rate. 
I haven't spoken to any teams. If I did, I'll be honest, but I don't know if anyone's playing it right now. If they are, it's probably in support, but maybe we'll find out. We'll, we'll do the, the research. We'll do the digging. But to be fair, most teams are starting. They A lot of times they'll take Monday off too, or they'll just start scrimming yesterday and they will just have started if Renat isn't able this week, which I believe she is. Yeah, she has 51.7% win rate S tier in, in solo queue. Yeah, I, I want to see how she's it. used because she's a mobile, which I think is going to be a big issue. And you, if you'd missed it, we talked about her on a previous podcast. We were kind of theory crafting right when her kit was released, but there's mm. some really exciting interactions there. I think she is conceptually super hype as I have literally I've yet to play against her. She's been perma banned in all my games. Yeah. Um, but the, the weird thing to me about the world right now is like LPL is on 12.2. They just moved to 12.4. But last week they're on 12.2. LEC was on 12.4. And LCK was on 12.3. So he had three regions all on different patches. But now it's slowly like coming together. Now I think uh, LEC is going to have Renato enabled on 12.4. Uh, LC LPL moved to 12.4. I don't know if Renato's enabled. And LCK probably is doing the same on Wednesday. So now finally, I think we're going to have all the regions on the same patch for once, which is really good for, for teams. Because if you're two patches ahead and you watch them draft certain things, you're like, well... It's also, I think, now. good for us, especially when, uh, you know, a lot of people are feeling like EU isn't necessarily like in its strongest state. It's good for us to see how other regions are approaching patches. And it's really hard to do that when you're all playing on a different freaking patch. Yeah, yeah. Weird how they get uh, desynced like that. Hopefully, I think I think playoffs patch is always shared, um, short of some really crazy, crazy changes. Sometimes different champions are enabled. Looking forward to the playoffs patch. Best I think of maybe five. it's 12.6, the playoffs patch, I think, because 12.5 is coming out soon, and 12.6 will be the playoffs patch. because Oh, yeah, because we have the break. Yeah. Mm, that's mm. a good question. So that'll be interesting. That'll be I don't interesting. know. Yeah, we'll find out what's going on with the playoffs patch, but obviously, Renata being enabled this week is pretty hype. That said, week seven, we got some we got some talking to do. G2 had some splaining to do. <laughs> they, uh, got, they got some splaining to do after that one. G2 got some splaining to do. <laughs> yeah, Misfits versus G2 simultaneously the best and worst game g2 has played all season yeah because it was and if for whatever reason if you're like if you didn't have time this weekend to watch you know if you're just checking reddit and you're just seeing these highlights like please go back and watch that game because it was maybe just watch the like first 20 minutes and then like just turn it off the last 20 minutes because it was a really long game or maybe the last 15 minutes it was or whatever. a 40 minute game Okay, so like, there's like a there's like a five minute window that's just hella awkward in the middle where you're just like, oh god, G two, get it together, and then it becomes really cool because like, Misfits actually start doing it, actually start like, coming back. Every time Misfits get a kill, it's like surely, surely not right, and they get another kill. No, surely not, and then they get a five kills and a bar. Surely not, you know, because seventeen minutes into that game, G two had two inhibitors, yep. and they were fourteen thousand gold ahead. They were about to have the fastest game. Maybe in LC history, minutes. I think it was like they were like eighteen. Going to end the game at Dude, eighteen minutes. Top got like three solo kills. Mid was like pushed in under his tower, couldn't move. Bot was, was over. Like, it was like ten. Was a five k gold lead at like eight minutes. Some, 10K something gold lead ridiculous, 10 like ten, it was twelve minutes. Actually yeah. insane. And then they were hitting the Nexus tower, and they overstayed, and they got aced. I think or like four people died. And then yes, you gave them like two, one to two k gold. It's not the end of the world. You have two inhibits at eighteen minutes. You can do Baron. You can do anything. Then they set up for a top push. Now they're four man top because they want the third inhibitor. They get killed all top because VTO got huge shutdowns earlier on the fights with, an, with a Yumi on top of him. And meanwhile, Broken Blade dies 1v1 to hear it, trying to end the game. So now it's a, almost like a 4v4 top side they've won. The 1v1 they've won. And now you're like, wait, they're actually holding their base despite being so far behind. And the gap just keeps closing. And the mistakes kept happening. Broken Blade getting caught out. The ankles trying to push out a top wave and cover caps getting caught out. And after those four kills top, they got Nash. And they got Nash again. Uh, and even though G2 got this Cloud Soul, it's a cloud soul, so you, you don't just automatically win the game with things like Hexing well, Infernal. Also, yeah. their first Drake, I don't know what time it was. They had so much control of the game. I feel like their first Drake was 
It was at 13 minutes, 43 seconds, the first strike. I mean, I feel like, though... But you can't really fault them because they're winning so hard, who, but still... Like, yeah, you know. I mean, like, that's, like, a little thing, but, like, that, to me, would be... If they had, there's an equally as likely a world where if they had taken that Drake, we would have been like, oh, why didn't you push your? You could have pushed your advantage yeah, yeah, harder yeah. if you hadn't just been taking useless Drakes. They should have just won the game. Yeah. They just got greedy, and then they were like, oh, haha, it's fine. We're still so far ahead that they just made more greedy plays. And, and it's it's that thing where you're you're literally smashing so hard. You're you know ten zero whatever. You know I'm saying we're ten zero, but they're like super giga fed, and you just feel unstoppable. So you're just, you're just disrespecting. It's and momentum. they were just disrespecting. They were like, we have too much momentum. We can't be stopped. Oh, ha, ha, I'll just go back door. Oh, ha, ha, I'll just go do this. It's fine. Mm. Whatever. Laugh it off. Oh, it's yeah. Fine, yeah. And then, look, like, Yumi is very good. Dude, Misfits comp scaling. champion. Misfits comp scaling was ridiculous. Like, let's let's imagine you're Jinx right now. You've yep. got your little minigun. You just came out of your hit TV series. You got your four items. Yep. You're against the Sinzao. Okay. You're everybody's favorite right now. Yeah, he ulted. You can't hit him. Gwen, press W. Can't hit him. Sinzao, Gwen, can't hit now there's an Akalian stealth with a Yumi on top of her looking for you. And Zeri just jumped over the wall. So what does Jinx do? Like, I'll be honest, Jinx in that draft, I'm not going to blame draft, but after a certain point, Jinx can't do can't do jack shit into yeah. that comp, right? So um, the unlucky thing for Misfit, for G2, the most unlucky thing was when they got aced at top inhibit, when they tried to siege the third inhibit after dying bot at like 90 minutes, the second they died, Nash spawned. And you could say, well, G2 could have just pushed in top waves and taken a free Baron. But the second they all died, Misfits killed them and took Baron, which... Baron for your team obviously means you can win the game, but Baron for the enemy team means they can slow the game down. Yeah. And they can't take your towers, but you can't take theirs, which is like what they wanted. And experience was crazy. I checked at around 35 minutes in, Misfits overall was eight levels up on G2. If you, if you count all the laners and their advantages, it was an eight level diff across mm -hmm. the board, which is bonkers considering the gold was kind of even. It's just an inhib diff, right? In the early game. In yeah, mid I mean, taking all the supers and definitely like it... As it got sloppier, Misfits got to farm. Like, because, like, when G2 were winning in that early game, and again, despite how that game ended, that was like a masterclass in early game. They shut out Misfits completely. They pushed the vision line up. They took entire sections of the jungle. They gave nothing mm -hmm. to Misfits. You know, it was like so clean. And then to see that turn where they were the team denying every source of XP that was not creeps in the wave, uh, you know, based the on not being able to end the game because they took all these inhibitors. And it's like, it's a game where it's like we can throw you can throw some criticism at G two and absolutely they should have won that game. I think ultimately how they should have won that game. It's like you can pick one of any number of those moments where they kind of threw it. But if I'm G two, I'm like, we griefed it, we had the win in our hand. Let's move on because it's like, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe yeah, no, that's maybe that's copium, but it. like what what else are you gonna do? You're gonna go back and you're like. You're like, okay, guys, next time we have like a 15K gold lead, let's yeah. slow down a little bit. Yeah, that's like the, what you can say. Because ultimately, like if you're going back to be like, okay, BB, after that last fight where you were giga fed and like we should have won the game, you shouldn't have sprinted to this inhibitor here. It's like, it feels... Yeah, I mean, the good thing is they bounce back the next day and beat Misfits. And I mean, when you when you lose a game like that, I think the only thing you can do is just take away positivity and just be like, look, we we screwed up. It happens. This was a monumental game, a monumental BDS, mistake of a game. The next day. Sorry. BDS, yeah. Monumental mistake they made losing the game. They could have won the game like seven or eight different times and they lost it. But their early game was really good. First 70 minutes, all, fantastic. All I know is that there's um, some teams working overtime to make sure that VTO gets MVP. One of them is Misfits. The other one is G2, apparently. <laughs> 16, <laughs> 2, and 4. Bro, because like that's a, that's the thing that's the big thing um, that at least we got to see in this game again was two things one 
I am not. I don't want to throw shade at the rest of Misfits because I think Neon did also have a fantastic game. And Mercer, he played Yumi. He's not going to get any praise, but he did a good job. You know, we all, you can make all the Yumi memes you want, but he did what he did, needed to do for the Yumi. team, and it worked. But um, yeah, Neon had a good game, and of course VTO. This man, ah, uh, he's so good. He's choving. He's honestly choving. And, and the thing is. When you're playing Akali, I, I can't remember what the capsule was playing Ari, right? When you're playing yeah. Akali into their champs, I, I really feel like VTO can't do anything on the map if both sides are like losing top solo kill twice. What is he going to do? Roam top and kill a Trindamir? No, he tried once when he died in the ult and he couldn't catch him because uh, Trindamir had tier two boots. Yep. He can't really do much bot because Pike's perma missing and Jinx has waves under bot tower. So as his team's like collapsing around him, he just kind of has to sack, give up his own tower and send under his own tower because both of their sides can collapse on him as well. So yeah, he's the only time he can shine is team fights and holy. Did he shine in team fights? 16, 2, and 4 in a 38-minute game where they were down a million gold. And he managed to stay relatively deathless. Of course, the big thing there is that, like, Caps got to roam a little bit more. And ultimately, Caps didn't have a great Ari performance. Like, if there's any weak link in this game. Oh, Ari, don't get me started on this champion. Bro, I think she's such a bait. Do we <laughs> want to talk about Ari? We can talk about Ari. <laughs> I think that, like, she's one of those things where, look, like, she clears the wave pretty good. You get the Everfrost set up. She feels great as a pick champion. But, like... She doesn't really assassinate people. No. She doesn't really control mage. And I feel like champions like that, to me, are just bad. So I will say Chovy's, Chovy, and Ar, uh, Chovy and Faker played Ari, and it didn't look that bad. But everyone's tunnel visioning on this Everfrost build, which, I mean, I was listening to a podcast with Nymira last night with Thorin. Um, and they were talking about Ari, and he was on the on the train of like, you need more damage. Everfrost build is okay, but you need to yeah, build more he has, damage. He's been an advocate. He's like, he wants. He's a Ludens boy, right? He's uh, a, I can't remember which item he wants, but he, he says that the Everfrost overall is just like it's good CC setup, but you're supposed to be a source of damage for your team, especially if you only AP, which I can get. But one of the items that some players in the LCK are building is Horizon Focus, which is kind of like an item that you think of when you think of like range champ, you like Valkos and Zerath. Yeah, but of course you get like a 10% buff on slow immobilization or something like this. Skill shots of more than 700 range reveal them and give you 10% of bonus or if you immobilize them. Yeah, uh, so which I guess I assume charm counts for, but charm I don't Charm and Everfrost. Charm um, and Everfrost. So that's yeah. where you get the bonus damage because it was removed from the charm, so it helps you assassinate. So I can kind of see that angle. Also, it's cheap. But the problem is you have like Everfrost, Horizon Focus, Zonyas. You don't really have that much damage until you get the Rabadon's fourth or the, or the Void Staff Rabadon's. But it did work in their games. But the thing is, I don't know if this champ is just a blind pick because even when I say that, Damon first picks Ari, first rotates Ari on red side. Um, LSK teams just high prioritize Ari for some reason. I mean, and she, top she seems like a safe champion. Against, again, against assassins, she's not bad. Against control mages, she's not bad. Like, I see the universal appeal of Ari. Mm -hmm. You know, her wave clear isn't going to beat a lot of control mages, but with her alt, she can outduel. She can't outdo a lot of assassins, but she has better wave clear. She's got charm to kind of protect herself yeah. and some dashes. Like, she, I, I get it. I just don't like, I, I don't like blind pick, like blind pick mids that aren't like really clearly doing something. Like, I don't mind twisted fate because it's like, you just don't care about what your yeah. partner does because you're just going to go somewhere else. And I, I just don't see the same. From the, the, I, I yeah, the damage I'm, from Ari just feels underwhelming. Uh, and I feel like mages like Victor Oriana just obviously outscale her when it comes to five items plus. And it feels like a lot of games are getting to that point around early Drake, so I think you have to capitalize through mid a lot. Uh, and the LSK teams like uh, Gen.G did so against yeah. DRX, but still when I see it in other games, it just feels like it's Ari's OP, let's pick Ari, and then nothing really happens, and you qu quickly realize you don't have any damage to get their backline or one-shot their backline, yep. and you're not really uh, protect the carry threat either. You're just trying to dash around and find your own plays in the fights anyway. Yeah, I think that I like her paired with 
like really good setup from from jungle i really like charm like e flash on ari is really just unreactable it's like so fast if it's close yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're close, yeah. Obviously, the the further away you are, the less reliable it is. Um, and then obviously, like when they they and they had a good comp for it too. Viego Pike, it feels like good setup, good damage, good champs to reset against. But ultimately, just doesn't work out. Again, yeah, it's not Jesus Drafts was absolutely fine, right? Uh, yeah, and it's, it's just they threw the game. This is yeah, not to conflate our criticism of RV with the criticism of G two. And as you said, Caps did bring it back to seven zero two Silas game. Um, yep. I like that he's getting back into the world of, let's say, Caps champions, the flashier, more exciting champions. Not that I don't think the he can play the control mages. I just like caps on playmakers <clears throat> where I want to be. Always. Personal oh, yeah. preference. Same thing with like Hillisang on playmakers. Like, you know what? He can play Yumi. He played a lot of it with Garen. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and Garen I hated Yumi every days. second of it. And you know what? It also kept them alive in that uh and allowed them to knock out RNG. So I can't knock it because it did good work for Fnatic back in the day, but I don't like it. Mm. Don't have to like it. You can't make me like it um you tell him there it is um other thing yeah we need to talk a little bit about there's a lot um to cover here but i think that the big one because we it's interesting because we want to look backwards but we also have space to look forwards at the end because we have a lot of teams about to qualify for playoffs mm -hmm. and it functionally but it functionally also feels like we have a top six locked but one team that it feels like are you thinking about Mad? Uh, they're Dunzo. I knew it. I was thinking about Mad too. And I was like, so should we talk about Mad? I was just looking there. They're on a six-game lose streak right now. They lost to G2, SK, Rogue, Misfits, XL, Fnatic. Um, I think their schedule at the end of this weekend is not too hard. I think they have like Astralis, BDS. They have and a two point and two point seven three four four percent of remaining scenarios. Oh. Mad Lions make playoffs. Yeah, I think it's not in their own hands. They have to win all three of their games, which will bring them to eight and ten, and then they need other teams to lose. I'm not sure how the head-to-heads are, but I think they don't have the head... They do have... The, they're even against XL in the head-to-head. -head. So, for example, if XL lose their games and Mad Lions win, then they can force a tiebreaker. You know, I'm really reaching here. But I think, I think I'm think i going to say it. I think they're, they're gone. It's done. It's done. And I think that, to be honest with you, even if they made playoffs, it would be... They would have to, like hyperbolic time chamber to level up to do anything in best of five i, I right think now. the biggest thing i'll be honest we've talked about Rico a lot but the biggest thing i think in europe and i've heard multiple analysts multiple pros say this if you want to succeed in europe you need a superstar mid you need a high caliber mid laner um you look at all the other teams like vto humanoid caps perks right these are this is success and that's what the core of european success is mid lane and I feel like Reeker just hasn't slotted into Mad Lions as well as maybe the coaching staff or the players wanted to. And granted, maybe we don't see something like in scrims, he's playing good, but he's tried so many things. He's tried playing like Vex and Ari and trying to trade these kind of assassin mage mid laners. He's tried playing Renekton, Yasuo, Aurelia. He's tried playing mages like Victor. He's tried playing Rise to roam around. They're, they haven't really found anything that's just stuck other than Corky, which is out of the meta already. Um, and... That team to me, I think, was it Upset that said this? Mad Lions just don't have a carry. Like, there's no one yeah. who can just funnel resources in. Like, Armut's been a bit quiet. He never well, really was Armut, a standout Armut carry. Armut was like a team player, and I think if if I'm, as again, as an outsider, if I'm drafting a perfect composition for Mad, it's not putting Armut on a carry. It's putting on something that has, like, huge team fight impact. I think that's yeah. why the Wukong and Gnar were so good for him. Not because he was, like, an all-star going to smash you player but because mm -hmm. he's like really good at team fighting really good awareness of what he needs to do in a team fight that was my impression from the outside and like consistently found great engages which is why he could get away with not always being the best laner and now don't get me wrong his laning is solid 
but um yeah, they can, they're, not, they're not even getting really to the stage where they can fight on even footing in team fights. Yeah, Unforgiven's been really quiet as well. I mean, he had like one good Jinx game against Misfits, but they never managed to win it. The XL game left a lot to be desired. I feel like he is good in team fights, but getting to that point for Mad Lions is already too hard. And the only really signs of life I saw was when El Yoyo could play a champion where he can just carry the game and yeah. 1v9 it. Yeah. If you think back to last year of El Yoyo, he was the Volley Bear guy. He was the, you know... He set other people up to succeed, he, he, but now it feels like he has to be the one to carry. Yeah, and as much as it worked in week one when you give him Diana and he'll pop off, right? This guy will play either things like Jarvan, Volibear, Hecarim or something, and he'll be setting up you for success and being useful in teamfights. Or he'll play as Leeson and make just like clutch solo plays. Other than that, the middle ground is just kind of like Viego, you know, and the Diana, but that needs to be drafted around. Viego in Europe hasn't found much success. It does a little bit in Eastern regions, but picking a jungler like Viego... Instead of not going for like Jarvan, Volibear, Leeson, I feel like European teams just value Sinzao way too highly. Uh, and Viego's struggling. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Zinzao ult is so good, though. That's the thing about Zin that makes it so hard is his ult is just so absolutely like BS. I don't know if we haven't figured out, excuse me, how to play against it, but like that, that thing just looks. That's so a stupid ability. Time buying is really important. Yeah, you that's just the jungle are, role. You can build. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like you're building full damage. You're building like Gore Drinker, Hysterics, whatever, you know. Um, but you can build kind of even tanky. You can go Force of Nature and go whatever you want. And your ult just gives you so much space. And in a meta where you're like Victor, Orianna, Jinx, none of those champions can actually do damage to you unless you're on mm. top of them. And you can still beat those champions in one-on-one in, in the range of your ulti. So it's just... Yeah, the thing is, that, that's jungle roll, right? You, yeah. you pick Jarvan, you're ulting them to engage and yeah. EQing out or you're stopwatching. Sinzao is doing the same. Lee Sin is a bit more dynamic and just kicking. Yep. Hecarim's there to buy time. A lot of champs are just there to buy time. And Viego, for example, is an insurance. It's like, you know, your car insurance. If you're losing the game and Viego gets a reset on their carry, boom, you're probably going to win the fight if you can pick it up. But right now, not to be a stats Andy, but Viego is five wins, 14 losses in Europe, 25% win rate. Well, it hasn't been great. And I think... Um, and that's coming from Razork and Malrang the wins. Yeah. And I will say that I think Viego is really cool when you have uh, a lot of a lot of easy setup for him like i i really like him when he's got a twisted fate and but the problem is that if you draft a twisted fate viego you're usually drafting a losing jungle mid matchup when tf wants someone to help him win early depending on the context of the matchup right and i just think that that he gives you in theory a lot of things but he does also cost a lot he, he requires a lot to be good he needs winning lanes or he needs laners to help him like you're right tf is a fantastic pick with him like a range support or some kind of roaming support is always good with things like viego so uh, not to go too off topic from Mad Lions, they've tried Viego too. Can El Yoyo carry on it? Well, the, the answer is not really because his laners can't facilitate him enough to do so because the lane phase just, it's not where they're winning at all, Mad Lions. It just feels like they're winning through El Yoya finding solo carries or the game being just slow enough that they win through team fights. Like you think back to their, some of their games, I think Mad Lions probably have some of the longest games uh, of the split. Like their BDS win was 45 minutes long. Did they deserve to win that game? No. BDS with Camille, I think, and LeBlanc. We're so far ahead. They even said it themselves. They're like six, seven K gold up mid oh, to late that game. Was, yeah, that was over, the Adam, over chasing Adam game. So that was yeah. their only win in their last, I don't know, eight, nine games. And even that one was a hard one to find. Their Excel win, where they flip Baron a lot of the times, 14 minute game. I feel like they are only really winning the games from enemy team's mistakes through mid to late. Uh, yep. So yeah, not much signs of life in this team right now. Completely agree. I think that. Um... We'll see what happens in the splits to come. I think it sucks for Reeker that the biggest thing that sucks for him is that he is just a rookie. 
and he was a rookie with a lot of expectations and a lot of promise, don't get me wrong, and he comes into his first season and he needs to be a replacement for Humanoid. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, on a team that very much, as we are seeing more and more now, relied on Humanoid and Carzy to be these big, reliable carries, and those are the two roles they swapped out. And you said this, and we'll get to review the tier list in a moment. Um, you, this is one of the things that you brought up, and part of the reason why we didn't put Mad Lions as high on the tier list is because ultimately I was ready to put them right next to G2. And I think we might have, but the reason that we said that they were, they were below, and this is your argument. And I think it's, it stands and it's really good. Is that just like, those are the roles you need to carry. You know what I mean? Like those are the, and then you're going to swap things out. Uh, it's not always going to work. And it's, it doubly sucks for them because for every other team that swapped a bunch of roles, it's worked out pretty great, you know, for all the rest of the top teams. So mm. sucks. I hope for Mac and the boys that they can keep their heads up and that they can come back stronger in summer. I would hate to see Reeker go after this one is, bad split. I think my thought, sorry to interrupt you there, but my thought no. now for Mad Lions is if they don't make playoffs, let's imagine you're part of the staff of Mad Lions, a bit more of like a broad topic. You're, you just went back-to-back championships, you went to MSI, you went to Worlds, a lot of success last year. Something you want to reflect into this year and do again with the same coaching staff. You lose, you finish seventh or something, eighth in the split. What would you do going into offseason? Do you think changes would be made in the summer? Is it, is it, do you think they're the kind of org where it's like, no. we need success now? Oh, I, I think this offseason will probably the, give us an answer. I know the the staff, you know. Mm. We know Mac um, pretty well, I would like to think. And that, to me, is the least Mac thing I can think of. Yeah, I think that so, That said, too. I don't know the Mad Lions organization. I don't know what the higher-ups look like, and I don't want to I don't want to pin, in the event that they do swap it to someone, I don't want like to assume where that decision is going to come from. But Mac is a guy who invests in rookie talent and has been very fortunate that most of his rookies have hit the ground running. Uh-huh. But I think... I I struggle to see a world where the Mad Lion support staff would be like, yeah, one split, sorry, you sucked, um, based on what we saw on stage. Now, if someone's toxic behind the scenes, and again, I don't, I, this is not to say that Reeker is or isn't. Mm. Reeker can be the best or the worst teammate in the world. I just don't know. But if if something isn't working behind the scenes, maybe there's enough of a reason there to make the swap. But like a bad split on stage, and it was a pretty bad split, don't get me wrong, but it's your first split, I think you give them the leeway. And I think that Mm. I trust that they know what's going wrong and they're working on it. But I also think that, to me, the amount of issues, again, as we're understanding more and more what humanoid provided that team that this team has to work through, I just think seems like a lot. Because everything kind of fit last year pretty well. Yeah, it's like a jigsaw. just Just worked together pretty solidly. You know what I mean? Yes, there were issues, but it always felt like you know, like their mid games were atrocious for so long. And they had some early games where they ran it down too, mm. you know, and like Armit's landing face sucked. Like they had a lot of problems. Humanoid died a lot randomly, but like they at their core were like really solid as a team, really solid as a group. And now they've lost a lot of that leadership from Humanoid. It sounds like other people are stepping in to pick up the pieces, but also they've got rookies who need, you know, support in whatever capacity that is. And Reaker who might need a lot more support in like either in laning or in figuring out what his role is in the team. and like. Yeah, that's they, they, they got a lot of off season to be able to fix that. Yeah, but I will say, um, Niski returning to the stage for a team like Mad Lions wouldn't surprise me. I think if it's if Mad Lions is the kind of org where they have you know the managers or the higher up saying we need to win now and yep. there is pressure on the coaching staff to just have to do it because sometimes that happens in teams. Sometimes He's the coaching there. staff, yeah, right. Sometimes the coaching staff are like, no, give us time, and the, you know the higher ups like. We need to win now, so we're going to sign a star player. Bang, here you go. I mean, that's the kind um, of the Mickey thing that happened. Yeah. Right, similar to that. Uh, and as much as it would suck to see Riku disappear after one split, 
Um, I think I think Rico again was hot. He was hot on the market in the offseason. So he was super on the market. He was super him. good, and we just have not seen we that seen level. It. But yeah. I I think Niski slotting into Mad Lions to me just is almost like a no brainer. I feel like he's a very vocal player in the mid to late game. He's a good, reliable carry. He's shown what he can do on the stage. He's rank one in solo queue. He's hungry. You know, Niski's bio on his Twitch stream is "I will be back in summer." Dang. So I don't know what's going on, but I feel like if there's any team that I would attribute like signing a signing of Niski, it would probably be mad lions for summer that would be exciting again it's very odd to me that Niski did not get a starting uh yeah. spot but I, i'm not sure off season's always very complicated i would say that would not mind a world i think if any team was going to try to pull off a six-man roster six man would be good as well because i think that it's with Riker. yeah i like you know i i again we are not the mad lion staff we'll let them make whatever decision they make and i'm sure they'll give us the content yeah they'll make the right decision anyway like mac is approved they'll make whatever decision they have to make you know i we'll find out later whether or not it was the right decision (laughs) you know um and that's the luxury of being an outsider in this whole process but yeah we'll see and that's that's kind of the crazy one um but let's transition now we have one thing we need to do before we go to our tier list my friend what's it we need to talk about the week seven euphoria Euphoria MVP. mvp There it is. The graphic transitioned beautifully. Thank you, Phil. Um, (laughs) We have been talking about this. It's a hard one. It's hard because you kind of just want to give it to VTO after that Akali performance. And we're all very much on the VTO's. VTO is probably my spring split MVP. It's going to be hard. You see, that's where my discussion comes in. It's him or Hillisang. That's the thing, the Hillisang question. It's him or Hillisang. The only game I can think of Hillisang having a bad one was against Astralis, right? And as much as there's a lot of, oh my God. I think you can argue that Hillisang is like the best individual player over the course of the season. And I if that's your definition of MVP, I think Hillisang. Here's, here's my two arguments. Wins. I think VTO is probably the winner of the MVP. But I think Hillisang is the best Western player right now. I think there's a debate for that as well. Because as much as you can say, what is an MVP? Well, it's someone who brings the most value to their team. Yeah. VTO probably does bring the most value to misfits more percentage than wise percentage wise he's probably outweighing Hillisang, but if we right? look at raw value numbers but then if, maybe Hillisang if we look at higher. just raw player i think cordy jay's in the, that debate he's in a different debate of like is he the best western player right now because yeah. what do you think of the, be- the best western players you know if you just take the lec for example you think of perks not so much success right now it's probably Hillisang humanoid like the front runners maybe Hillisang yep. a little bit further ahead two players on fanatic ironically um and then for na i guess you would think of i mean tl's bot lane or Whippo, I think they've been having incredible performances in NNA. Yeah. So Honk, this Whippo. this debate of best Western player, a lot of people ask me on my stream a lot, has changed from perks and caps to now this like circle There's of players from of different players. teams. Yeah. Uh, because caps is, is 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 struggling a bit this split. Perks struggling a bit split. Finding their form, they just went 2-0. Great. Sure. Playoffs, they're going to be a different base. Beast, great. Need to see it. Um. But yeah, I think I feel like VTO probably is the MVP right now. But that's just what I want to say about Hillisang. Yeah, I think. VTO and Hillsang are, are the runners right now, uh, and we'll see as the the last week comes through. But in terms of in terms of this week's MVP, let's hold that discussion because we can talk more. Because uh, keep in mind, MVP is a regular season award, not Euphoria MVP. It's hard to keep track, I know, because there's also a key player of the game. But keep up with us. So, <laughs> key player of the game per game, Euphoria MVP per week in going into playoffs. Wait, this quick question. You know the key player of the game? Yeah. You know if VTO has like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Does the MVP is the MVP just the one with the most of those? Mm-mm. It's decided differently. It's panel. So what do you get if you have the most Kia Pogs? Don't know. Okay. Don't know. Don't have an answer for you. Should okay. definitely know that. Okay. Sorry, Kia. Um. Don't know. Don't okay, have any okay. idea. So our MVP though, we'll keep we'll keep 
building up. And again, you get a cutout if you win our MVP. If you yep. win the season MVP, the season. you get a trophy. Depending on how you look at it, I think the cutout is cooler. I but... think the cutout's cool because you're in every episode just chilling next to us. Yeah, who's it going to be? Right now, Trimby is winning. Um, but this week, we have a debate. And I think it's... Hillsang's Nautilus game was solid. Mm-hmm. Hillsang's Pike game was insane. His Pike game was VTO correct. 1-1 this week. It'd be the first time if we were going to give him an MVP. We'd give an MVP to someone who had one-on-one. But his Akali game was out of this world. Incredible. And mm-hmm. yes, G2 did grief it. But I think like any moment in League of Legends, there's a line between every outplay is also a misplay mm-hmm. um, to a certain degree. See, uh, now, again, we have two players, but... I also think there's a talk of Alfari. Oh, I knew you were going to say it. It did really good. His GP game was cracked. Yeah, his GP game was cracked. His NAR game was also was pretty really good. good. Self-made yep. is also in my mind. Oh, man, dude, picking one single player after one weekend is tough. Um, I mean, Vitality did bounce back. And granted, they took down Misfits, uh, which was, you know, has VTO, our spring shit. Well, Springfield MVP? Jesus, no, he's not yet. Okay, he's not down, yet. Right. We're just RE4 we, MVP, perhaps. Um, but again, they beat SK as well. So it's like, hmm. As much as they beat SK, if you actually watch that game, they were struggling. Yeah, the minions came in They were struggling, clutch. man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I feel like SK were up in... I don't want to say they're up in gold, but they were up a lot of kills. And Vitality was getting caught out a lot. Like, Selfmade jumping over to take a blue buff gets collapsed on dies from their support. Yep. Alfari pushing out sideways gets collapsed on and dies. And you know what made them win that game, Dracos against SK? Zillion. Zillion was the single-handed factor that won them these team fights in mid because they would go in with Hecarim and then one person would die, but they wouldn't die because they have Zillion, baby. And then they'd spe- like slow the Hecarim down, speed up Jinx, insta-win. Um, I think that was a Zillion diff that game. But then the, the game against Misfits was good. So we have Alfari, self-made, perhaps, and Vito Hillesang. You're leaning, I feel like looking at your face, you're leaning to VTO. I don't know, because I think it's weird to give it, I don't love giving it to him after 1-1, even though I do think he's been, he did good, even in that game, mm-hmm. it's like 4-2, and obviously score lines had everything, but he played pretty well. He did as much as he could in a game that was really turbo over very early. Um, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards someone on Vitality. I'm leaning to Alfari. Alfari did have, oh, but the SK game wasn't good. The SK right. game wasn't, but... He but his, only, his game plan was good, but I, the, the game was... I mean, the top dive early was super clean. That got Alfari ahead. Gen X was never in that game. I mean, yes, granted, Selfmade did set up the gank, but Alfari's wave control was insane. The second Selfmade re-ganked and Gen X was chunked out. Even though he didn't die, the wave was screwed for him. He got Flame Horizoned. Alfari did insane amounts of damage. And as much as his team was making a lot of mistakes and getting caught out, I feel like Alfari only made really one mistake in getting mm-hmm. caught out on side lane, which is a little bit silly. Um, and then the Nara game was just pretty much... Yeah, flawless, I feel like. So I'm I'm on the Alfari train. Uh, this is, this but is, this is unanimous, isn't it? So Yeah, well, we just have to decide because we don't have a third party. We can use Phil as a tiebreaker if we want to, but Phil definitely does not want to be a tiebreaker. Um, Humanoid is also really good. That's the problem. He played TF, which I'm not always excited about, but he did really good. He did really good too. It's like... And also, upset. Wait, really wait well. now we have if upset, now, wait, did, now we have six. Dra- bro, Dracos. I'm just saying people who did really well Like, because I've got... I don't want to... We're getting too many in here. I mean, I, Alfari did lane against Aatrox two times in a row, and he did clap the Aatrox two, two times in a, in a row. So, um, okay, I'm making my decision. I'm saying Alfari. Uh, even though Selfmade set him up a lot this week, um, I feel like, I think he had one happy little TP that was pretty funny. Uh, the rest of the, and then one getting caught on side. The rest of that was pretty much flawless, and um, I'm glad to see him back in his form. Even though, again, it was against weak teams. 
What do you reckon? Misfits, well, I don't think Misfits are, Misfits right now are but way above them in the standings. And it's debatable as how strong they are as a team, but they beat beat them. That's what matters. Oh, I've been the GP. I, are you really, you're really sold on Alfari? I'm down. I'm, down? I'm down. He's on my list for sure. So who who is it the one person you're thinking of where it's like, ah, no, it should be this guy. Is it is it human? I feel, this is the problem, is I actually feel bad not giving it to someone in the Fnatic bot lane because I think between both games, the Fnatic bot lane did really well. True. The yeah. issue is Hillisang had a game where he was amazing and I think yep. Upset had a game where he was really good. Yep. They didn't, if we put them together as a bot lane, they're like the MVP, but because we only have to pick one, it's actually really hard to pick one of them. Dude, yeah, because the thing is with, with Fnatic, if you watch their game, Hillisang's pike, Carried really hard. The, the Nautilus, jinx, the Nautilus, a couple mistakes, but he was engaging good fine. fights, and yeah. then Upset was picking up kills. Even though they were down in CS, Upset did get a lot of free kills. So it felt like it was almost like a seesaw of each just carrying each other on the. On if they the were a single unit, they, they would win entity, a lot more MVPs. If, if Hillisang Upsets were a single entity, I think they probably have at least four of the yeah, MVPs four. so but far. But because they're split, yeah, Alfari. Alfari is your you week seven Alfari. Euphoria MVP. Congrats to Alfari. Okay. Barney's out here. The thing is, you know, I feel like we should get at least one top laner in here. Because it's always mid and jungle or supports. I feel like if we're ever going to get a top laner in here, this week is probably going to be a top laner. And I don't yep. want it to just be mid jungle support. Yep. Um, that means we do need to get an AD carry in there. So maybe... Well, we're, we're, we're going to leave that. We'll, we'll see. just We'll see what happens. What I will say... Barney Morris, Alfari, if you Barney could do Morris. me sauce one time. There is a purple pajama gnar skin. And he turns into a big purple dinosaur. Okay. And your name is Barney. And I would just one time if you could p- pick the purple pajama nar chroma on a stage game. Uh, oh my god! So I can just litter the game with Barney references. Uh huh. Just for me, Alfari. I would. But love you have to that. be casting the game. Yeah. Are you casting? What games are you casting this weekend? I don't know. We're casting. I think we're casting Sunday. Sunday last. You're games. you're you're riding the desk a I'm bunch on the desk, with yeah. a with the with the guest with it as a with guest, unannounced guest. with the guest. The guest. Uh, and then might I'm be casting Goldberg Saturday. One day. Ooh, might be playing. Um, you're casting Goldberg Saturday. Yeah. So cool. Afari. Yeah. Lots of damage in these games. Consistent. One couple couple mistakes. One TP. One getting caught out. The rest of that. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. He will play the purple dinosaur one day, I'm sure. Much. And even if, even if the <laughs> cast if the cast doesn't pick it up, now that you said it in the analyst desk, I'll probably do a telestrator segment. Yeah, like what I want you to see here is <laughs> like corporate wants you to find the difference between these two images. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. do something, something in relation. Anyway, cool. We're burning through time quick, so let's head over to our tier list. Oh, we actually um, are. Holy crap, bro. We haven't talked. We haven't just hung out and it's talked. It's been a, in a while. while huh? Yeah, it's been a hot minute. You can tell. So Elden Ring. <laughs> Elden Ring. We're excited about That's it. That's our tier list. I see it everywhere. This is our tier list, so I'm going to recap this for you if you are in podcast land. Um, I'll also be sure when the podcast comes out yeah, underneath did. one of the tweets to link our uh, uh, image for reference if you need it or ask Phil to put it in the, probably in the YouTube description. Um, S tier. This is our, the tier list we made as this book was starting. Uh, S tier was Vitality, Fanatic. A tier was G2. B tier was Excel, Rogue, Mad. C tier was SK, BDS, Misfits, and D tier was Astralis. Do you want to know my base to take here? What? I think you swap Mad and Misfits, and this list is still pretty accurate for best of fives. For best of fives? What do you Dang. reckon? Because actually, I, c- I could be wrong, but um, like Vitality and, and Fnatic, I think are going to be really good in best of fives. This could age like milk right now. Um, I think you're flipping it a bit too much on. I want to see it from Vitality before mm-hmm. I believe it. I do believe it for Fnatic. And it's not that I don't believe that Vitality's players have the capacity to be that amazing. I just yeah. like this regular season has been so up and down that I would like yeah. I would like to see it. Because I, I am a believer in the mythical playoff perks. I think when when pressure is on, 
uh, for perks and for caps. I think when the pressure is really on and they're in an environment that's good, and I think that they both are this season, mm. they will show up big time. But and I, I think that, but I want to see it. Yeah, yeah I, I want to see it too. I, I guess uh, if we were to do the tier list right now, I guess you would swap. Uh, you'd put Mad in probably C tier, Misfits in Misfits A. Misfits A, yeah. Or uh, Vi- Vitality in B, Rogue in S, something like Rogue this. Rogue definitely go S. Yeah. I think it's Rogue, to me it's Rogue Fanatic. Or maybe it's, yeah, probably Rogue yeah, Fanatic, Fanatic S tier. G2 Misfits A. Do we think Misfits are actually A tier though? I like think so, in yeah. tier list or just, yeah. In the regular season, I think they're A tier. Mm, yeah. B tier is definitely... Um, what, well, let's just say, what do you think we got super right? Like, what do you think we got what right we got on the super money? right? Um, I think Fnatic's an S tier team. Yeah, I think, I think G2 is A-tier. a step below. Yeah. Uh, I guess XL, B tier making playoffs, I think acceptable. You have Which to be... I was, I, I think I was wrong. Because to be fair, I think the big thing, like... The, this was before the Mickey signing, though. Yeah, because so. <laughs> if, if we had looked at this after the first few yeah. weeks, we would have been like, ooh, kind of griefed it there. Misfits, I think, are the still... Misfits and Mad, I think, are the two biggest surprises, though. Rogue are Rogue still well. a big surprise, and we should have, I think, maybe... Well, not at the beginning of the split, but if we were mm. to adjust this midseason, we would have put them A or even S. And I think A is probably where Rogue belong. And as we go to best of fives, that could go down to B. And I'm very ready to move you that think down Rogue, to B. Rogue belongs in A right now? I think it belongs in S. Really? I yeah, think, yeah. yeah. And uh, for regular season, yeah. For regular season, S. Yeah, definitely. you're right, you're right. Uh, and yeah, then Vitality, uh, probably in B tier next to XL. Yep. I think that's um, right. I think that's kind of where the regular season shakeup would be. Uh, again, best of fives are a different beast. We still don't know who is in playoffs. I think if you're looking for the playoffs race right now, XL are the front runners next to Vitality because they're both sitting on eight wins. Mm-hmm. The people behind them who are chasing those spots are Mad and SK. SK are sitting on five, Mad are sitting on five. So. Mm-hmm. I feel like we pretty much, I think a lot of players in post-game lobby PGL have said that I think the playoffs are pretty much locked now with the top six being yeah. basically B tier upwards on our tier list, just swap Misfits and Mad. Um, and SK and Mad need basically to win every single one of their games. Yep. And then they need every single one of Rogue and Vitality to lose all of their games. And then they have head-to-heads. The second, I think one of SK or Mad lose a game, I think they're out pretty much because well, they're at eight X- wins xl and vitality are the only two teams who could potentially be kicked out of playoffs at this point rogue fanatic misfits and g2 Everyone are else. all locked but if if but madden madden uh, sk have five wins each right yeah so they have to win all three games so the other team the has second, to lose all three games lose a game they're out yeah um and vitality sitting at eight wins i believe as well so yeah the second basically you just need to watch sk and mad win every game well if, if yeah if sorry if, if xl or if vitality win a game it's over any they're game in. it's over yeah and if any um, uh, SKA or Mad losing game, it's over. Yeah. So, so playoffs, playoffs is, stakes are pretty done. I feel. I'm like. not going to lie to you. Like we talk about, every game it counts. It's really no. It's like every game counts until it doesn't. But like, seeding, seeding's important. Seeding is very important because if you think about the top four, the top four go through to almost like an upper bracket, mm-hmm. right? Fifth and sixth play one another in the almost like losers bracket, and loser is bracket, out. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to open up the standings right now because I think that's important. For example, XL... Top four, getting top four is very important. Top four is important because G2 right now is fourth and they're at nine wins. And they could easily lose that spot. They could easily lose that spot. XL and Vitality are right up their ass. They're right behind them. Misfits is... <laughs> Misfits has 10 wins in third place. So basically, XL and Vitality are fighting for seeding, I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big thing. I think Excel and Vitality are, are going to try to make it in, but nobody wants to be fifth or sixth. It's really important to be fourth. Having the luxury of losing a best of five is amazing, especially in spring. I think it's less crucial in summer when teams are like full fighting strength. And I think mm. then the attitude can be, hey, if we want to get there, we got to beat everybody. But then, of course, getting top four makes it much easier to get to Worlds. So there's arguments on both sides. But ultimately, higher seeding better. As long as you get top four, I think you're happy. One is obviously ideal because then you get to pick your opponent. But 
you're going to have to play a bunch of other teams to make it to the finals and to win anyway. So I don't think first is as important as top four is. Do you know what I have a feeling of? This is remnants to last year um, where Fnatic will finish second and Rogue will finish first, right? Mm -hmm. And then Rogue will have to pick between Misfits and G2. Of course, they're going to pick Misfits. Yeah. So who's playing the best of five on the other round? Oh, G2, G2. Fnatic. So I feel like we're going to get that from last year again, uh, unless Exile and Vitality play some upsets and take those spots, um, which is already really exciting. And then, of course, if Rogue win, they're in the finals, I believe. Uh, Rogue win, no. They have one more match. They have to play they against the, the winner okay. of the other oh, yeah, of course. top four match. And then they're, then they're in, in the finals. finals. Yeah. And then we'll see the lower bracket runs. I think our playoff format's pretty healthy for a knockout stage. I think our playoff format is good. I think that it is... Um, I think full double limb is really hard. It takes a ton of games to do full double limb. Mm. And it doesn't work really with six teams. And I think that... I really like our playoff format. Old playoff format was bad. Just like the bye, missing a best of five, like getting a... I think it's better to have a free loss than to have a free win, if that makes sense. I would always rather a team play and be able to go down to a lower bracket uh, if they're better or whatever than yeah. that they just get to skip to yeah, semis. LCK, I think if you finish first, you're in the finals. Jump yeah, on. I don't like the gauntlet. I think it's, it builds tension if someone does make the gauntlet run, but we, and I, I don't want to, because again, I work for Ryan, I work for the LEC. So to, I mean, I can be totally, I'm, if you think I'm biased here, understand that there are reasons you could think that. Um, but you get a mini gauntlet run. Like we saw Fnatic complete mm. basically the gauntlet run last season. I really don't like LCK gauntlet. I think the reason they're, they have this gauntlet run and they have the first place into finals is their best of three seeding is just more accurate for a standing sure. rather than oh, the best I mean, of that's, one, right? That's a fantastic that's, argument. That's yeah. the only, I think the reason you can bring up to say like they play best of threes all throughout the season. So surely this standings is basically accurate. Um, yeah. And uh, not to get too much into the best of one, best of three thing, but the interesting thing to me was like T1 have lost five, I think, of their first games in best of threes. Instead of being 12 and 0 right now, they would be like six and five or something, seven and five. Yeah. So it's crazy how the standings would look different if LSK was in best of one. I think with their format, it would be an absolute, I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. It'd be completely, completely different. Yeah. Um, gives us a good opportunity to transition. So that's our tier list in summation. We got a lot of stuff right. We were off about Mad. We were very off about Misfits. And we were off about Vitality. The bottom side, I'm sad to say we were completely right. BDS, SK, Astralis, all on the nose. Excel mm. in the middle. We could have been wrong. I think it's easier to say a team will not succeed than a team will succeed. Like, for example, when you look at the SK, BDS, Astralis rosters, we kind of had inklings and, you know, looking at the players in the positions that they had, they probably won't succeed. Mm -hmm. But then a team like Misfits, we also misread a bit. And we were like, well... They're bringing in rookies are probably not going to, but boom, they did. So I feel like it's very hard to predict a team of rookies or new players that will succeed mm -hmm. and won't succeed. But it's always sure. kind of the easiest option is always just to say that they won't. Um, so I guess that's why we hit the nail on the head on terms of the bottom tier teams. But again, yeah, like the top tier teams, Vitality was the biggest. And what I'm glad hell? we got a bottom tier team wrong. I'm glad Mrs. proved us wrong because mm -hmm. it forces us to reevaluate expectations. But kind of, to be honest with you, these tier lists without actually seeing games are always going to be, we're never going to hit 10 out of 10. Like you could have literal kittens click on logos or like drag <laughs> logos or whatever, have dogs eat out of a bowl, however people do those stupid <laughs> predictions. Um, and they would probably make a tier list with comparable accuracy to us, assuming yep. you like, you know, didn't let them just put Fnatic and D tier. You know, like there's like a couple, like once you get the basic ones out of the way, like we, we don't have high expectations with Strawless because they haven't changed anything. Okay, that can go in before we let the puppies decide. We know Fnatic are pretty good. Like we can let the puppies, yep. you know, like every, everything in the middle, you know, it's it's anyone's guess, yeah. to be completely I have, on. I have a question for you. Sure. We're looking at this tier list. Now, we said Rogue would probably be S tier. Yeah. What are your thoughts of Rogue going into playoffs? Do you have a different vibe from last year's where... Because 
again, I was listening to Thorin podcast and Thorin said something very interesting. He said, Rogue are the only team in the last two years to finish at minimum top four in a regular season, which is incredible. Yep. Because the only standing member from that two years ago is Larson. And they've gone through quite a few roster iterations from where they started to where they are now. And they've never failed in the last two years to finish top four. And no other team has done that just yet in, in, in these last two years. Um, so they are regular season kings. They, they really are. They're so good. They're flawless in regular season. If you tell me two years of top four, no matter what, and they're always going to be in the upper brackets and they never win a finals, well, I'd be very surprised. But the fact that they do it with so many different rosters, I feel like Rogue coaching staff doesn't get enough praise because that's incredible. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is truly incredible. I think it's it's it sucks that it doesn't transition to best of fives because I think that's what yeah. holds them back. Because ultimately, as cool as regular season is, and again, we've talked about you know the questionability of coaching staff or coach of the split or whatever as an award as people who don't get to to look into that on the day-to-day i i think that they do deserve that recognition and they do deserve that praise but it is they kind of to be honest it's like if i could pick Mm. a coaching staff Mm. i'd pick a coaching staff that can give me best of five wins and it's not on the coaching staff like rogue losing best of fives i'm not putting that solely on just the coaching staff but like that's what matters that's what gets you to worlds and if Rogue were also monsters in a best of one group stage too, then I'd be like, all right, they're the best of one kings. Like, God bless them. Yeah. But they weren't. And that like, so. Also I, true. I like it. I like it. And I think Thorne's great. It's a good thing to point out because I think that they did. They had this trajectory of just consistent, also consistently getting better since their their first split 2019, which was awful. And then they rebuilt with mm. like Finn, et cetera. They just kept getting better and better regular season placings. And now they're just the undisputed, like with Malran coming in, the next rogue roster swap, I'm just going to be like, put them, always put them one tier just above where case, I feel yeah. comfortable just because they have been so good. So I think it is a good thing to call uh, out, but it's like, I just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the thing. That sucks. That's, that's the sad thing because like, for example, I just told you and you might be like, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't matter. Like yeah, they haven't you, won anything. Yeah, and if they you never... tell me they like win every best of five game on blue side, I'm like, damn, like they should get more blue side. That's cool. I mean, so like, but like, you know, I don't want to undervalue our split because it is really important. But if you can't win the best of fives, then getting first seed in the regular season doesn't mean anything. I always wonder what the best of fives is. Because people say, you know, they choke or they make mistakes Dude, or they're one-dimensional. Know. But I also wonder, like, what is the coaching staff doing in the regular season? Are they just really good at preparing best of ones? Because preparing a best of one is entirely different to preparing a best of five. Because I best think... of fives, you have to have, like, one team so much time dedicated to just read the team properly and figure out everything they know. This is... Whereas best of one is just, like, you have five days to figure out it, that team or whatever you want to do. If Rogue is down, COVID restrictions permitting, you being an Excel content creator and potential double agent, um, I think we should go. I think, go and it's, I think we should go and we should check it out. And if, if, if Rogue is down, um, because I want to I know and I want to understand and I want to be able to talk about and talk to them about that because I think it is super interesting and I think they do deserve credit for getting a best of ones. And it's so bizarre to me that it does not translate to best of fives. And I think that you can say choking, you can say whatever. I, I really hope that this split is different for them and that they can pull it together because... Yeah. We have, I want to be able to go, these guys are the king of best of one and also good in best of five. Even if they don't win the split, I just want them to be like consistently reliable in the best of five. Like just give me, you know, give me more in the best of five because then I can be really excited about the regular season because I can go, oh, maybe this is the season they do it. But when you like collapse in playoffs, because like that Misfit, the last Misfit series. um, They were lucky. They They got got away with murder. 
they got VA good, you know? Like, I think Vander's Ignite cooldown was like six seconds off, six seconds later, and that play doesn't work. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then Misfits would be in the group stage. Yeah, and Hirit outperformed Odawamne in that series, which I wasn't ready for. And I'm obviously, I like Hirit. I think that when he's good, he's really good. And sadly, when he's bad, he's really bad. But um, I want more. And if they can perform really well, and they play like a really convincing, convincing series, mm. even if they lose, I think that would be good too. But it's just, I don't want to call it it's, choking because that sucks. I think that label that is really terrible but at a certain point, you run out of logical explanations yeah. for why someone just doesn't show up in best of fives, and you have to start going to the illogical or the emotional or the stuff that you don't see behind the scenes. And Odawami talked about it. He said Civil War. Every year, it's Civil War. You don't see it. You don't see it behind the scenes, but every year playoff going to playoffs is Civil War, and the team with that resolves their conflict, yep. you know, that figures it out, is going to do the best, and they didn't. And so yep. maybe this year there won't be a conflict. It's, it feels like spring is mechanics, summer is mental. Yeah. And when it comes to playoffs, that just hits even harder. Mm. Um, like, yeah, I mean, he said it. They were having civil wars in the team. So many arguments, disputes, not being on the same page. Respect. I mean, respect is the biggest thing when that happens. When there's a war between players or a disagreement, yeah. respect is the first thing that falls. And then the, the, when it shows up, it's instantly in the game. Once you, Yeah, once you don't trust people, I feel like it's, it's building trust. Like, giving trust initially is really easy until there's conflict. And yep. then once that trust is broken, rebuilding that trust, because some guy ran it down or you had a fight and someone was wrong and they were too prideful to... I, like, it's your people. Rebuilding your, your, trust is very hard in a team, especially. I've had this a few times where it's like, there's, there's a clear line, and I think pro players should learn this, between I have now built enough trust up with you that I can trust you again versus I am going to pretend that I trust you for the benefit of the team. And they're two very different things because you can put on a face and be like, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And then you, you know that he's wrong, but you're just doing it so that the team is functioning. And sometimes that's healthy to do if the team is really, really down bad. But the other side is like actually believing in them. And when you do this, that's when you find the difference in the game. Um, that's just something I think when it comes to mental. I, uh, I think it's really hard. And like the psychology of it is, and why team games I think are always so interesting to watch. It's just because... And I wish we got to see more of that because the thing is, is that's the stuff that makes truly great content and is truly fascinating to watch, but also can paint a lot of people in a bad light mm. and is the stuff that isn't going to make it into, you know, the documentaries. Because you're, you're two guys having a fight where they start throwing every curse word at each other, you know, like some, yeah, that's great content, but like the public isn't going to see that and sometimes shouldn't because it's not always, it's not always good for the players. They don't, you don't need to know that, but it is crazy to me how teams are able to have these conflicts resolve these conflicts how teams like when he was talking about hk just not even scrimming you know yeah this, worlds th this is the funniest thing because again on the surface when you watch them lose a best of five despite being like almost undefeated in the regular season just getting 3-0'd by matter or whatever it looks like they're choking and maybe they are choking a bit but what is the back room like what is the discussion after they lose game one what have their scrims all week been like in terms of discussions and like you know you look at the lpl teams at worlds i think i said this before where I think it was RNG or Top Esports EDG. So one of these teams was backstage and they're just literally flaming each other saying like, you can't play Gangplank. Why the hell are we playing Gangplank? And then he looks at his coach like, we're not, this guy can't play, you know? Yeah. Like this is, the, this is the reality behind the scenes. It's not like some teams, maybe if they're winning and when you're winning, it's very easy to have positivity. You go backstage like, yeah, well, it didn't work, but we won the game, but we can try it again. You know, all these good things. And it's always good to be positive because it always leads to better outcomes. But a lot of the time, you have no idea. Like a team can explode at a click of a finger. It doesn't matter how many wins they have. Wins help kind of carry momentum of a mentality. But the second like trust is collapsing, everything else around it does. And this winning record in a regular season is not going to hold that up suddenly because yeah. you were good. Now you're in playoffs, you're losing every game, best of fives, a patch change, you don't trust each other. It's a different game, right?
uh, and yeah, burnout, whatever it may be, mental things. Yeah. That's why Play, I, best of fives is just a different beast. It is, and that's why I think that when the West has been successful, it's often been like the band of brothers, like five players who get along really, really yeah. well. That's what Mad felt like they were. G2. That's what G two twenty nineteen felt like they what they were. I I can't speak to the OG and the Fnatic twenty fifteen team environments. That's another clear. And obviously, H two K wasn't it, it that. Looks so like it doesn't a hundred percent hold up. But that feels like our our best teams at least recently have been that because it's hard it's really like if you are not yeah if you just don't like somebody on your team <laughs> like i i remember working in a coffee shop and just like hating one of my coworkers, and i could barely keep it together there and i didn't rely on them for anything like they had to take out garbage that was it and they did it and they i was like cool you did your chore for the day i'll do my chore for the day we're great colleagues handshake mm-hmm. i can't imagine like actually being reliant like you need a gank your drunk one's not ganking for you. You think he sucks. It's the, you know, the worst part is, is the awkward silence. You know, yeah. I've had this many times with a couple of players in my team where you're like, the trust is broken, but you have to scrim to practice for the betterment of the team. And then he dies to a mid gank and you're the jungler and the enemy jungler just killed your mid. And there's silence. Jungle no flash. And you know that there's already like the atmospheric tension of like, yeah. he ganked me, where the hell were you? Or why weren't you tracking him? Bro, because it's like so this. easy when we play because you know? we're tight and there's nothing on the line. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm like, my bad, you Mark. Know. I died again. You're like, it's cool, bro. I'll carry yeah, you. Don't yeah. worry about it. But when it's like your life, when everything yeah. in your life leads to that, that's so hard. Yeah. Anyway, we've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent here. The yeah, TLDR is best fives are hard. Team environment is hard. Uh, if you want to go check out the Odawamne discussion we had previously, I think it give you a lot of insight as to... Uh, one day, the, I think one day someone should write a book. Like Perks, I'm sure he's got Please hella write stories. A book. Just write a book. out there. Just dictate it to someone else. Yep. Let them, let them help let them just write your story. Get all the stories out there of what actually happened. Because we don't see, like, I think we see like 10% of what happened in all, a lot of these situations. And, you know, they get the drama sources, you know, uh, this happened, you know, the most recent one, LS is out of Cloud9 or whatever. Just write a book and tell me what the hell actually happened in 10 years yep. time when there's no consequences yep yeah we yep. need a dunzo manifesto but a published version not yep. a twit longer you know not a twit longer that's what we need yeah. it started with success that's <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> <Let's> fanatic start <laughs> <laughs> that'd actually be such a baller move the first esports rule or if rf shocks ever writes a biography it starts with success <laughs> yes just the, the meme. People are like, this is the worst first line of ever. Yeah. You're like, you don't get it. People don't get it. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. The inside jokes. All right, all right. Um, Twitter. I asked for questions. I was like, how do you guys, what do you guys think about the LEC? Send oh, us yeah, your thoughts. Questions. A lot of you had comments on production. A lot of them were super positive. Some of them critical of like the technical difficulties. Um, thank you. I, this was a bad question for me. This is a writing lesson for me. Production? I wanted to talk about like the teams. Mm. but i made it vague so people were like we love the casting or you know like we like we love everything like the content and thank you for all the people who reached out and had feedback on that thank you that's not actually what i meant because i'm again bad at writing questions but i really appreciate it there's a lot of super positive feedback for my fellow co-casters for myself for you for the content that we're making and i just want to say thank you and the people who had uh more you know kind of criticism style stuff uh appreciate how kindly worded a lot of this was even if it was critical so thank you thank you for all the production feedback um love the shout out to a lot of our desks like ashley like dagda like amura um super cool stuff that said today we are going to focus more on the gameplay side of stuff which there's a lot of we really want best of three because it's going to save our bacon at international mm-hmm. and there's a lot of we're doomed at international and i so i think that's what i want to take from these wonderful questions that we got the best of threes i had to- I don't want to spend too long on no, the no. best because we've talked about best of three, best of two. We've talked about it a few times uh, now. I, but my question, this is my simple question to you. 
to keep it tight so we can get a couple other questions in. We'll, we'll give them the TLDR today, and you can either go in more depth. I had a one-hour argument more. with Vedis about best of threes a couple days ago. Okay, I just need you to give me... Then give me your stance, your TLDR stance on best of threes. Okay. And quick, again, quick I, I have a good TLDR. Okay, I can so, do this quick because I, I already had this argument. Best of threes will be better for competitive reasons. The players will be better at the game in a best of three. You get sure. more stage time, more stage experience. Uh, best example of this is like, uh, I don't know, EDG, for example. They played a Caitlyn Karma lane in their, in their best of three series. I can't remember who it was against. Um, in game one, they, got, they died a lot. They got ganked a lot. They died to things they shouldn't have. They lost 2v2. The game ended. Imagine that was the best of one. You come off stage, oh, we can't play Caitlyn Karma on stage. It's the first thing your mid laner will say or your jungler. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. They go into game two, they play a different comp, they win. They go into game three, they play a different comp, they win. They come out of that saying, okay, game one, we tried Caitlyn Karma. It didn't work. We won the series anyway because we went back to our fundamentals and we tried things. And this is the important thing. When you're a pro player, you can try things in scrims and they can work, but you're hesitant to try them on stage in a best of one because you need to rack up best of one wins. So a lot of the time, teams will go back to their fundamentals of what is working, what is simple, and what is meta, and they won't really innovate or explore. Whereas in a best of three, you have a lot of wiggle room where you can win game one, try in game two, win game three, if you're the better team. Or if you happen to you know, try it in game one and lose, you can just go back to your fundamentals and your core values or whatever is working for you. So in a competitive aspect, it's better for, for kind of pushing the teams. And also you get more stage experience, right? If I have to play, I don't know, uh, T- T1's going to go 16, 18, 0, I don't know how many it is, 18 games, and they're all best of threes. You know, I could play upwards of 30 to 40 games in a run split. How many times have players in Europe said, well, I played more games in playoffs than I did in a regular season, right? Mm-hmm. You have a lot more stage experience and you can try a lot more. So for the compet- competitive aspect, I think it's a lot better. The downside is the viewer experience becomes saturated when there's, you know, four show days in a week and you have to watch like a best of three between weaker teams. And there's only two best of threes a day. So, you know, viewership will be a bit up and down depending yeah, on who's I don't playing. Yeah, I don't want to get into, I like won't get into that I just, too much. Just, just like if your perspective, if it was what, I think, it, what it brought. And I it, think that's fine. It'll, like, I, it'll the, level up the region, I think. Yeah, I think um, that we have, we'll have time. But if we want to get into the full discussion. We'll get into it one day. Yeah, we can get in like that. But, that's, but for, that's just from a pro consuming. player standpoint, yeah, I yeah. think a lot of pros will agree that it's better. Uh, the only the only weird thing is like if you're playing on Wednesday and Friday, then you scrim on Monday and Tuesday and then Thursday and then you have an off day on Sunday. You have to change up your weekdays. But yeah. then the other side of the argument is, well, the enemy team has to do the same. Sure. Um, and I'm sure that looking at schedule, they're not just going to put you on the last games of the day so you can watch everyone play their games mm-hmm. before you play so you can copy whatever they're doing or vice versa, put you at the start so you're the first one to play. I'm sure the schedule would, would yeah. kind of balance And to, the reason that I keep this short is because this can be a super long discussion. And yeah. I know people probably want to hear more about this, but I want to make sure that we had this discussion we have the time to do it justice the thing that i will say always because people when i whenever i ask this question love to send format suggestions the thing that you have to consider for a format anytime you at home or anyone is considering a format is what's good for a professional so you know something like best of three you know getting the most out of your pro players what's good for broadcast how many show days is it going to require logistics you know logistics could you have enough staff for that and then um viewership advertising sponsorships and i don't I know a lot about production because I work in production and I know a lot about pros because I talk a lot about pros. I don't know a ton about the business side and I'm not an expert on probably any of them except for production in terms of what it takes because I've just worked this job for long enough. So I'll say that I don't have the full picture, but you know, we can talk about it. We can say it from our side and we can look into it more. And best of one is just upset, right? You know, Astralis beating Fnatic, right? It's an upset. They did fantastic. But if there was a best of three, what would really happen, right? You know, Fnatic would probably win the best of three, but still best of one can celebrate teams for upsets. 
uh, and it's a lot more fast-paced, you know, for the and players. we said this before, it, it leaves, it means that there's a lot more questions heading into best of five, unlike the LCK also format, where you're like, hey, T1 won a million best of threes, they're probably going to win yeah. best there's of There's a lot of different angles you can take on this argument. Sure, um, yeah. And I, I'm, the best thing, re, best kind of part I know is pro player arguments, so that's just what I'll say for now. If we want to talk about it later, about logistics, last No, no, I mean, I think it's fine. I think yeah. you're allowed to bring up any perspective, any perspective you like, and I think that, um, just want to acknowledge where I'm not an expert. I feel like I'm not an expert because I don't want to have people be like, oh, you know, like Draco said this or, oh, I learned this from Dracos, assuming that because I'm the dude who works on this show that I have all the answers. Mm. I don't. I don't know how this works. I don't know how that camera works. No idea. A lot of things I don't know about. So just want to make it clear. <laughs> want to make it clear when I do and don't know what I'm talking about 100% because I have opinions without knowing 100% of everything like everyone yep. does, even if maybe I shouldn't. And I like to share them. But I want a voice when I'm not, you know, 100% confident. Mm. Um, the other big sentiment that is going around through this entire thing is, other than, God, you guys are really nice about the broadcast. Thank you. Um, is we internationally, we're doomed. And that's the last thing I want to I wanna talk about. Because we're coming into week eight. Season's over. We talked a lot about high stakes, two playoff spots remaining. Let's just, I'll just hit that one more time before we do this as our final talking point for the day. Uh, two spots remaining. Vitality and XL, the only teams that can get knocked out, top four are locked. Almost impossible for anything to happen. It's very likely that they are locked. Despite that, there is a chance for a miracle run, so tune in. But looking forward, looking to MSI. Is it just are we doomed? Or does it feel like every year in spring we're doomed? No, it's not. Is every that year. sentiment every because last Cause year I felt G- like that's because I've only been on the broadcast for two years now, yeah. well, second year. Last year in spring after Mad One, it felt like we were doomed as well. Mm-hmm. I had that sentiment. Everyone's like, "Oh, Mad's going to MSI. We're screwed." And then you almost beat Demon. And then when we're going to Worlds, we're like, "Everyone, we're all screwed." You know, Rogue lost. You know, uh, Mad Lions is our only hope. And although quarters isn't too bad, I I just wonder what the definition of screwed is. Is it like we're not getting out of groups or the worst region at Worlds? Or is it like we're not going to win Worlds or we're not going to get to a finals? We're not going to get to a finals, I think it's probably, or we're not going to make it out of bracket stage. But the beauty of not, the beauty of feeling like we're not going to make a World Finals and knowing that we're probably going to make a quarters is when we do make the finals, it makes it even more special. I agree. Here's what I think, though. I think it's pretty simple in that we, as EU fans and EU viewers, analysts, pundits, whoever you are listening to the show, got very used to having, especially in 2019, in 2018, when Fnatic was very good, and then G2 immediately exploded into clearly just being heads and shoulders, everybody. We got, we always had a rock. Mm. We always had a team that were like, we know this team is good. Yeah. Because you remember 2019 Worlds, we didn't actually expect much from, like, Fnatic actually kind of bombed. We didn't expect much from Splice at that time. But they actually, they surprised us. Like, we look back on that as a great world championship, but most of us were like, yes, G2 getting out of groups, no question. Fnatic, everyone got out of groups. Fnatic probably getting out of groups and most people i think were pretty low on splice it's hard for me to remember exactly where i stood at that time but like really i think we've just always had the luxury of having a rock and we've having one team where we're like these guys are gonna do good you know what i mean whether mm. it was 2018 fanatic whether it was 2019 g2 eventually 2020 g2 um and this is the first year in a long time where every team that posted any kind of international result rebuilt and so it's really hard to have faith, but also they need time. And not every team is going to click immediately like yep. G2 2019. So I am totally ready for spring to not be good internationally. I would love to be wrong, like you said, I, but I don't want to overhype it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that EU fans should be okay with that and understand that like this is this after an off season like this, it's totally reasonable for us to not have a super strong representative right off the bat. Yeah. I also think it's a combination of like, 
uh, we, we only got quarters last year and we lost a lot of players going sure. to NA. Yeah. Uh, and the sad reality is, are we still the strong, the third strongest region in the world? I think so. I think LCK and LPL are still 1-2. I think we are still the third best overall. If you look at like the six teams we've got going into playoffs, the only downside is LCS is catching up with what they're doing, right? TL is basically like a lot of our good players are in TL and they're a, a hell of a good team. Maybe they're going to do better than us in MSI, right? Because only one team sample size going, maybe TL is better than some of the top LEC teams right now. But overall, if you take it to Worlds with four teams from each of those regions, I feel like Europe is better. Yeah. Um, now I could be wrong, just watching TL's games with Core JJ, of course, this team looks incredibly good. Um, LCS is catching up for sure. Um, but I mean, LEC is still top heavy. I think everyone said coming into this offseason, the weaker teams got weaker and the top team got stronger. And now maybe we're not seeing that yet, but going into Worlds, I hope I hope we see it with teams like, you know, Fnatic, Vitality, the rosters that they have. Hopefully we see that come to fruition. Um, but it sucks right now. I think it's just a mixture of poor international results mm-hmm. with what we expected in previous years, losing a lot of players combined of like, we're screwed. Um, I don't think we're that screwed. I think we're all right for now. I think we're all right. I think MSI might be tough, but I think that that's perfectly acceptable. And I think that it's natural. We are is, rebuilding. I, I would say MSI wouldn't be tough if there was just a team. I think if when it comes to playoffs, if there's a team that just rams through best of fives and wins the whole thing. If Rogue that, was consistently good in best of fives, we'd be like, oh no, Rogue are going to be Yeah, great. exactly right. Because you know, when G2 went into those best of fives, like, they're, dude, it, it's theirs. Like yeah. they're going to ram their way through all the best of fives and go to Worlds. And if we see that, if, you know, I don't know, Fnatic just come out, win, 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 3-0, 3-1, 3-0 into the finals, into MSI, everyone's going to be like, oh my God, they're really good. But if it's very close between the teams, which I think it will be, then that one team going will not feel as good because they didn't just stomp their way through playoffs. But then again, at Worlds, when you have all of the teams, it might feel better. Sure. And I think the big thing um, will be uh, how much can a team grow and bring back from MSI Mm -hmm. when they go. And just like that level up is going to be really important between seasons. I'm really curious to see what teams do. Um, But again, I think it's, it's a work in progress. And I think it sucks sometimes to be an international fan. And I know especially people hate the idea of being worse than NA. I'm like a middle child. But uh, listen, guys, you know? listen. Let me but I think it's here. It's not. It's not NA. It's it's Team LEC. I've said this multiple times. Bwipo, Hans, our boys. You know, they brought <laughs> us so much success through the years. When TL starts to win, I'll celebrate TL because hell, you know they're just. They're I mean, our, I'm gonna celebrate players. I'm never never let those boys, boys go. That's that's Bwipo and Hans. That's, those are our boys, 100. percent And I'll say that like, look ultimately it's okay it hopefully we learn if we lose hopefully we learn that's the most that we can hope yep. for and as a fan international drought is bound to happen mentality too it's bound it's, to happen right it's gonna it's bound to happen like international droughts will happen for every region eventually right the lpl had it a bit the lck had it a bit europe is slowly maybe going into it maybe not we'll see yeah but international drought i mean na's we'll never na's been <laughs> they've been in the desert since season <laughs> like, one you want to talk about down bad <laughs> listen we have to get our na joke in every couple podcasts <laughs> every okay. every uh, this is this is uh, it's actually in the contract every time they buy a player like, like you know this means two more uh jokes on the other jokes like, all, right, yeah. all right all right it's fine oh mate we're on 200 still <laughs> yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's a debt we're working through um Anyway, week eight is coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It is a super week. Three days of League of Legends action. Cajun's going to be on the desk. Uh, 
and then casting with me on the last day, which is going to be a banger. I don't know what we're casting yet, but there's some we're exciting casting games. BDS Mad, Fnatic XL, Rogue G2. And the reality of it, maybe those games are worthless and they don't mean anything because it is the last three games of the entire split. But then again, maybe Rogue G2 is a fight for second or third or something. I don't know. If the games are completely meaningless and you have, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about on cast, please feel free to message us. Yep. We can um, talk about the Elden Ring. Only if they're cast. completely meaningless. Otherwise, yeah. we'll take the games just as seriously the as gems. the players do. Yeah. Um, regardless. Thank you for joining us. Um, sorry for missing you guys for a week, but we're back here now and uh, excited to see how the season closes out. Good luck to all those teams fighting. Good luck to SK and Mad and their sub 4% chances for both of them to make it into playoffs. Good luck to Excel, because reminder, if Excel do make it, I have to write an original song. Yep. Either way, I have to write and an original song. And I get to tweet that I did it, baby, because I then, joined just before we Because you joined Excel just in time. All me. Yeah, it's like when you subbed on H2K, you're just trying to sneak, me. sneak hey, away in. They still count. I was there. It still, I guess it still counts. All right. That's it. This has been Euphoria season. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing a huffing motion. He's not snorting, to be clear. If you're in podcast. Yeah, it's my copium. It's copium. Yeah, if you're, it's in copium. Podcast, if you're in podcast land, I do have a massive tank There's of copium There's just a tank of copium. That's what it is. Yes. Uh, this has been season nine, episode eight. It's the final week. We'll see you guys on show. See ya.